Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon, Brandon Wild Pickups. Hey, it's me, Todd Novak. So happy to have you with us. We are excited for our show tonight. This is the Guitar Knobs podcast, and we love talking about boutique builders of guitars and pedals and gear and all kinds of that sort of thing. And on the line, we've got somebody super special. Johnny from Daredevil Pedals. And you are calling from? I'm calling from Chicago, Illinois. Nice. Hey. Heck of a music town there. The Bears. Let's see here. We got a couple things that we're going to take care of. Tony? Yes, special shout out to our good friends at Rode Microphones. They have provided us with not only some Procaster microphones and the articulating stands recording our magical podcastian frolicking. Thank you, Tony. And thanks, Rode. Indeed. If you've been listening as of late, you've heard us bring up the potent pairings thing a few times. That's a segment that they have uh, under the news tab. And that's actually one of my favorites because they've pulled on a lot of people that I dig. They're looking for now is for all of you to go weigh in on what they should be doing next as far as potent pairings. So they've had the Beatles, they've had Smashing Pumpkins, Arctic Monkeys, a host of others, but they need a little help. What they want you to do is go to the website. They're going to send you to a place and vote for the bands that you want to have listed on there. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with potent pairings, essentially what it does is it breaks down a couple of the main sounds that the particular band does. And they say, this is the guitar you need. This is the pedal you need. Mostly the pedals. But this is the equipment you need to sound like these particular tunes. So go over to Reverb.com and check it out. Potent Pairings and help them pick the next Potent Pairing artiste. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, sir. Tony. Well, let me think. Uh, so last time we talked a little bit about the Eastwood uh, little mandolin, mandolin. Um, that came in. I'm really pleased with that. I ended up changing out some of the plastic parts, modified it. So it's even more like a Rickenbacker 5002. So it has a toaster pickup in it. It has a little different uh, uh, nameplate name on the on the headstock. So it's 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 pretty cool. Um, I mean, it sounded great as it was. Uh, but now it, it has the look. Uh, also in today's, it does look awful nice. Also in today's mail or UPS, uh, we had uh, uh, my Guild Jetstar came in from uh, oh. from from Guild. You and didn't bring it in. I didn't bring it in. What the crap is that? I know. I had so much to carry. I had yeah. a big box of pedals. Yeah. And, uh, and two brochures. And <laughs> I want to see that thing. That's a yeah. lot of stuff. Uh, you know where I. You know where I am. I know. I still have to deliver you a box of pedals, life. anyways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, check it out. But it's 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 a cool guitar. It's the one in seafoam green. Yep. Uh, basically based off of a '60s kind of Gumby shaped bodied uh, S100 or S50 Jetstar. Uh, that Guild put out, and um, ever since Cordoba has taken over Guild, they've really just gone. I think they've done some really nice reissues of some of the more obscure things that Guild did back then, especially on on the electric side. Awesome! So, shout out to Guild. Get them on. 
You think so? Guild. Uh, talk to them. Let me talk. Let yeah. me talk. Guild, if you're Get listening. Get a hold of them. <laughs> Johnny. Hey. What's going on in your guitar world this week, buddy? Nothing. You know, I just wanted to throw in that I got a, a reissue S100, and it's actually, yeah. it's, it's pretty ripping, you know? I have, I have an old one, and now I got a reissue, and I was pretty, you know, pleasantly surprised. Nice. Yeah, there's, those are, was it one of the uh, ones the, from the Cordoba, Cordoba era? Yeah, New, it was uh, like not quite two years ago. Oh, yeah, 2016. Perfect, yeah. 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 Yeah, those uh, are I got a, a 95 one yeah. that's just beat the crap, but I wanted, you know, not to take that out anymore, so I got a new one. And yeah, yeah, it's good. Are yeah. there any obvious differences between the two other than, you know, they're, the old one's older? No, they're, they're pretty close. You know, it's, uh, poly mm-hmm. instead of you know I'm yeah assuming, so, you know so i mean it's got that kind of korean thing going on a little bit but it's a little bit heavier but it's still everything else feels pretty close yeah, when you're yeah. talking about the poly are you just saying like the it's that kind of like extra heavy coat of poly or yeah you know a lot of the, like the indonesian korean yeah yeah you know it's, it's got that plastic thing. Cody. yeah right. gotcha but it's <laughs> it looks wonderful and the neck is you know Got that nice flat radius kind of guild thing. So it, yeah, I dig it. You know, for cool. for let's say for the price point, can't beat it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the, the the real scary part. Are you gonna do anything uh, in particular that is, uh, I guess, to customize it? You know, this one. I, I mean, obviously, just you know, go through my box of pickups and see what works good. Um, not nothing too crazy. You know, this is kind of like my backup, but mostly I've been doing using tellies lately. You know, mm-hmm. Tellies and Gretches. So it's not really getting taken out for gigs, but you know, it's it's there. It looks cool. Nice. I went on like a white guitar bender for about a year. So I think last year I bought like four white guitars. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, all right, I got to you know switch it up. So we'll we'll see. But yeah, well, I want to hear all about the gear you've been using and stuff. I know you've got a couple. Uh, bands that you uh, gig out pretty regularly in, and uh, so we'll get we'll get to that. Um, you can tell us all about your some of the gear you're using. I'd love to hear about that, Jared. Okay, so a few two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten episodes ago, I was talking about the. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> so it's a little while back, all right? I, I I'm sorry, I don't recall which episode it is, fellas, but um, I talked about a 1966 Fender Stratocaster, and I told you I was taking it up to my favorite place in Akron to have it refinished. And uh, who's that? Dan up at Lay's. All right. Lay's Guitar Repair. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, uh, I did pick up the guitar and I got it. To, and they they know me so well now, I, I don't have to be specific with them. If, you know, I really don't because they just do everything the way I like, you know, because we have a good relationship or whatever. So I just said, hey, Make it this color and make it look cool. Mm-hmm. And they said, do you want some aging on it? I said, eh, yeah, put some aging on it. Just make it look the part like it should. Yeah. I got it back. It's Lake Placid Blue. And they kind of sprayed it with that, um, what do you call it? The darker amber. Uh, Clear coat. Yeah, whatever. Uh, with the nitro. Yeah. They, they put a little dark. It. They got the color down. And the age with the, like, it's not like a perfect Lake Placid blue. It looks like it's greened up over the years. So yeah. it's, it's got that look. I, I had the pleasure of seeing it 
before you actually arrived. Right. And they showed it to me. And first they showed me the neck, right? He showed me this neck and it, and I was like, yeah, this is actually a pretty good neck. And I remember Jared bringing in the neck and going, hey, this is in the neck. And then he showed me the body. And that's when everything clicked because the age on the neck was that of, so that's a early 90s, right? This that's a 1966. 66 by 90s. I meant 66. <laughs> right. So it was just I was just upside down. So the it was, but it was one that had been cased, like kept in a case potentially. Yeah. Oh sure. And so it just had that kind of. It wasn't overly aged. We're not talking about relic. It just it had like very well taken care of, very natural yeah. aging. We call that honest wear. Honest wear. And it it wasn't even it didn't even have a ton of wear just like it was just honest it was just right. honest right that's what I and want. then he showed me the body yeah. and it's like the whole thing came to life I was like this okay I I hundred percent get it, it the, the amount of aging they did it is really really spot on I thought Thank what you. brought it all together was the pick guard I, the rug usually does <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I had uh, Tony do the pick guard and and of course it. You know, it looks great. Yeah. Jared, Jared. Now, if got you could just make it look like a, like a, you know, like a, a Les Paul or something. Yeah. <laughs> but what I, uh, what I'm, one of the features that I'm in love with about this guitar is the Brazilian Rosewood uh, fretboard. Yeah. It is just, it's astoundingly beautiful. It's, and it's, it's and it's one of the, it's the. A slab board. Slab board. It's so a it's real thin veneer type the of, it's, across the top. It's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty great. I mean. To to be honest, it it's another strat. It's it's a Stratocaster. However, it does feel like a '66 Stratocaster. It you can tell it's old. You can tell it's from 19. It's one of it the better looking ones that I've seen, it, and I'm not a fan of those. So it, yeah, it's it's special. It's a really cool guitar. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm really happy with that. I have it now, and I'm pondering selling it because I could actually make a lot of money selling it uh, with what I have in it. Yeah. So I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Just going to keep it around and see what happens. Todd, what's going on in your week? Well, Johnny was kind <laughs> enough to send out a bunch of pedals for us. And so I, yep, there they are clicking away. And I, 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 was, I love when new boxes arrive and I do the segments on Instagram where I pop them open. I'm like, wahoo, right? Here's oh, the yeah. pedals. The only thing is that I only have one pedal board and it's a kind of a smaller one. So every time I get pedals to test, I got to tear apart my gig board and it's just, it's a, it's a hassle and it's, it's causing a lot of unnecessary wear, I think on my own electronics. Yeah, you need so, another board. So I need another board. So I spent uh, some time looking for what is the board that I should get. So I think I'm going to get a bigger board testing all the pedals that, that are coming in and out for the show. The world of pedal boards is a varied one. And they all have their upsides and their downsides, some of which have more of either. I mean, I would love to know what the listeners are using, what they like, why they like them. Um, I am on a pedal board search for the right board. And Johnny, I'd love to hear what you've been using uh, once we get into your... Uh, well, not actually, just do it now. What are you using for pedal boards? Well, as you can imagine, I got a, I got a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, most of them are kind of revolving in and out between other dealers and, you know, stuff like that because they get sent out and come back. So I don't have all of them, but I have quite a few different types. Uh, I just got some Warwick 
does my European stuff mm-hmm. for distro, and they make all those rockboard. I don't know if you've seen those. You'll see them. Okay. They're like they're cut out. They're lightweight. All right. They have this like tray instead of having to just mount it with brackets. Your power source. Yeah. They they make just like a tray. Oh, that's interesting. So you can put all kinds of whatever mm-hmm. in there, and then just do that. So I got a couple of those. Mostly, I've been with Pedal Train for years, and they're awesome. And I've beaten the crap out of them, and I've probably got like six of those, and they're great because you know they make the small ones. So yep. for me. You know, I use the small one for myself, but then I can get the PT2 and put like my whole, you know, I'll fit like 10 of them on there for NAM and all the other display stuff. So Yeah, but for gigging, yeah, you're using a smaller board, right? Yeah, because I mean, like we said before, I only use, you know, a tuner and three or four pedals. Right. And I, I don't think I've ever used more than you know, five, maybe. Yeah. And that, that was back when I used a wah, so. Yeah. You know, just because I got, especially now because I'm singing, so it's like I got enough to worry about. Yep. Uh, half the time, I'm lucky if I can get just to that part of the stage to step on <laughs> something. Yeah. Hopefully, it's the the thing with the light on it. You know. Yeah. And then I got to be back on the mic. Yeah. So uh, that's always been it because you know it's like high energy rock. I'm, there's too much going on to be trying to gently step on something. Yep you know somewhere which i've always been baffled you know these guys post their boards on instagram and like there's no literally no room between the pedals at all and there's like 30 of them like yeah how do you how do you play a show and I, i'm sure well, some of those guys you know the, the singing thing <laughs> the, yeah the singing yeah. thing is i i can feel you on that one because i've i know that when i am doing shows where if the music that i'm doing is requiring me to sing I'm not even, I mean, my board is often behind me because I just, I got to concentrate on my singing. Yeah. I keep it clear. And, but if I'm yeah. doing, if I'm not singing, then I have it in front of me and I'm able to do a little bit more on it, but I, I'm not a tap dancer. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a size 14 or 15 shoe depending on what brand it is. How am I going to be able to step on a, a, a pedal board with, 30 pedals that's that why we got you that big mini one. mini pedals right and they're all sandwiched together yeah yeah like that that's yeah that there's no good utility uh as far as yeah as a, for me no way it's got to be the big wawa size pedal for me <laughs> all of them <laughs> well when all i play them, can right you, johnny can you build a uh, they all have size uh, five shoe man can you build a wawa size boost booster pedal <laughs> <laughs> like a big muff all of them uh, I had a guy email me that, he, that wanted me to to build him a custom wah pedal with all these features to the size of his foot. That's right. Wow. <laughs> like I would just say, yeah, and go and like, you know, metal <laughs> cast something in my garage or something. I don't know. Right. I couldn't help him, sadly. But Right. Yeah. Well, uh, when I play out, I usually just have my guitar tech switch the pedals on and off. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right oh boy all right well cool uh let's see here oh you know what time it is one two one two three four on the floor okay johnny four on the floor i've been waiting for this one go for it yeah this is tougher than than i was anticipating but like you said uh i had to actually think that i mostly use the stuff that i make for myself (laughs) yeah uh but um, if I had to not do that, I'd go with an orange super fuzz. 
I think people will argue, you know, between the gray one and the orange one, uh, like the blue button thing. Uh, supposedly they're the same. I don't know. I'm sure people can split hairs about tone or whatever. But and I, I think that the early different enclosure ones, those just the solid cast gray ones, were mm -hmm. supposed to be pretty close too. But I've, you know, I've ripped both of those versions apart and built them and rebuilt them and stuff um i couldn't really tell much of a difference but i think it's just like an old marshall you know yeah you get 10 of them and they all have a little bit different just because there's so much clipping and you know there's so much going on in there yeah so little variances tend to make a big deal when you amplify it six times in a row you know yeah is there uh, something specific about that sound that you that you gravitate towards yeah it's it's got tons of just textury smashy kind of chaos going on but it's still really fat and it's really you know a lot of low end and it's real warm yeah it's kind of like a little bit of all the qualities you'd want from a fuzz kind of out of control at the same time yeah you know like all those awesome townsend solos kind of went in and out of feedback and just it sounded like it, you know something was broken almost yeah. <laughs> you know i kind of yeah. like that aspect oh, and it, it is um, one of the cooler looking pedals ever produced yeah, it's huge. You know, you, you could club somebody with it. And I'm also a, a massive, you know, like Fu Manchu used those too, but in a kind of a different way where it was just fat and warm and tight. Yeah. And really together and solid. Yeah. With the full stack, you know. So, you know, with that, that goofy toggle on there, you can kind of do either or. Cool, man. So, what you know, got for number two? Two, uh, I've always had a phase 90 or some kind of phase on my board. So I would go with... Uh, I had an old script logo, Phase 90, that I loved. I had a feeling you were going to say one, either, either a Phase 90 or a Phase 100. I, I mean, I, I've got a lot of different phasers, um, yeah. but I still kind of go back to that. I got a Whirlwind now that I'm using for my band, which is supposedly the original you know, version of the Phase 90, but um, right. I remember having a, a script logo that was killer uh, until it died. <laughs> those are, those are kind of like the uh, fuzz you were talking about where you know, you never know what you're going to get out of those things as far as, you know, variances. And and uh, I, I think they were another one of those companies where they just, they got the things done and got them out the door. Yeah, and I think the key to a lot of those early phases was that they would have to have to match certain components with mm -hmm. some of those. Like the uh, the early electroharmonics, small stones, they would, they would be matched, the ones that don't have the LED. And that's what would give them like the really good phasing because you're getting a more, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but you're getting more of like an even correct phase out of the signal. Um, Man, those old boxes are so hot right now. Holy moly. Yeah. And you know, they'll, they'll color the, the crap out of your tone, but um, I usually tweak that and make it like true bypass. So it doesn't mess with my fuzzes as much because yeah. it sounds better in the front of the chain for whatever reason. Interesting. Um, so wait, you throw your you throw your phase in front of your chain? For whatever reason, the the small stone, I I think it sounds best in front of all my other pedals. Really? But I'll I'll make it true bypass. Hmm. Wow! Everybody, so, make note of that. That's that's right. interesting. Uh, that's an interesting idea. So you're converting your phases into true bypass. Well, the small stone specifically. Just for that one, my whirlwind is at the end. Okay. So oh, I go, see. Okay. Go figure. I don't know. <laughs> Trial and error. I don't. There's no right or wrong, right? Yeah, no, it isn't. There isn't. It isn't, or there isn't. Both yeah. are, see, there's no right or wrong. Take your pick. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what you have number, number three there, bud? Uh, I got to put 
an actual wah pedal on there. I know it, it goes against my my atomic cock nature, but uh, I use. I mean, that that's school. you know personal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, pretty much, you know, before I even started Daredevil, I always had a like an old school wah on my board, and you know, everybody has their own personal guitar heroes. But I, you know, yeah, if I had to, if I had to say, there's only four pedals that I, you know I can't do without. That would have to be on there. So I've got a '74 Crybaby that's pretty awesome. But I, I also, I had a buddy lend me a, a Vox King wah oh, okay, from the '70s, cool. which was it's pretty close to just like a regular gray. Vox, you know, but for whatever reason, you know, like he said, it, it just had that yeah. thing and it was just huge and real powerful and it did the Jimmy thing and all that in between. So nice. And, and for the record, uh, listeners, <laughs> so that we, uh, so there's, there's no misunderstanding. Um, whatever, uh, Johnny's prowess might be, he actually does have a pedal, pedal. called the Atomic Hawk. So just I'd like to, to hear more that. about his atomic. Yeah, that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't a metaphor for anything. Or, uh, <laughs> I just want to make sure that we're all clear on that. Uh, so, so, uh, and that is a that is a cocked wah. So it, it is a set wah uh, pedal that uh, we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, what do you have for number four, there, bud? Yeah, this is tough because I want to go with you know I want to go with another fuzz. Um, oh, but. Nothing wrong with that. Because I mean, honestly, that's like the limit. Right now, I think I have three fuzzes and a phaser on my board. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's more just different different types. But um, I got to go with like the old Gary Hurst MK1 Rono Bender, you know? All right. The gold the gold MK1 because cool. that's, I don't know, that's just like my, my idea. A lot of people will say, oh, I like the page, you know, solo sound thing and like that's cool, but for whatever reason, that the, the gold MK1 is Mick Ronson Bowie fuzz tone is like my idea of oh yeah the the perfect fuzz you mm-hmm. know cool uh, I think you've uh, you've tried to work some of that into your pedals too yeah I mean yeah uh, uh, that's it you know the the cocked wah you leave the wah on and crank your your Marshall and Boom. just crush it you know you, you got a clean tone and you nail it with fuzz yeah and that's the way to do it you know it's I, I try to keep my amps as clean as i can and i started using lower output cleaner pickups you know like tellies and you know filter trons and stuff because you can then you can really slam it with fuzz and you just get all the cool like nuances out of it without getting into the mushy stuff that you get with like humbuckers or higher you know 800 yeah. or something it doesn't it doesn't jive as much. So, and that, I mean, that goes back to, I, I heard something years back about Joe Perry too. And he's like, man, I try and keep all, cause he always has like 15 heads on stage and right. all this gear, you know? And he was like, I just try to keep all the amps clean and I just let my pedals do what I want. You know, I was like, Oh, okay. So he's not using the Marshall for the gainy thing and the fender for this and switching and all that. It's yeah. just everything, everything's just loud and clean. And, you know, I was like, well, that makes, makes it a lot easier, you know? Well, the, you know what? That's a really interesting point because I think <laughs> shocker, there's other opinions on that out in the, in the uh, guitar world. There seems to be for everyone, you know, sort of majority belief on something, there's an equal and relative other opinion. <laughs> if you're using your pedals 
to drive your sound, you're going to get a, a, a different outcome. And they were suggesting that making sure that you try to push your amp before you make your pedals push it. It was along that line of, so, you know, what you were just talking about, which that's actually what I do is keep it like super, super clean and let the pedals go versus pushing your amp. So using, you know, like a, a smaller, lower water jamper, like really pushing it and then dropping your pedals into that signal. And I mean, it's, you know, Hey, horses for courses is whatever ends up working for you. But it's, um, it is an interesting discussion out there. Yeah, but you can do that. I mean, you could push your amp a lot and still have that clean thing in there. You know, I'm a big fan of like old trainers and, you know, where it's like, it'll, you know, like a V4 or something like it'll still tear your head off and you can hear the the tubes, the power tubes are like really cranked and it's, it's mm -hmm. hot, you know? Um, so it's, it's got a, like a little bit of hair to it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like you're playing uh, wh whatever, some of those like super cleany headroomy type deals, you know, mm -hmm. where you're not. It doesn't feel like the amp's cooking too much. Yeah, yeah. You get what? right in that sweet spot where it's just starting to, you know, be really hot sounding. And then you hit it and it's like, you know. But I play high, like a lot of fuzz, so it's, I guess it's a little easier for me. I'm not trying to get like in the middle or <laughs> yeah. tame anything too much. Yeah. You know, we just kind of turn it loose. Mm -hmm. But What's your favorite trainer? Uh, Man, you wouldn't believe this. So I got a bunch of them, but I... For whatever reason, I can't. I still can't believe I did this. My buddy had one, and my buddy's got his, his entire place. His apartment is just like a store. Like he's got probably fifteen cabs, you know, a dozen heads. He's got all this gear, and it, it's just his. And he wanted. He's like, man, I got to get rid of some of this. I got a trainer head. You're in a trainers. I got a. Uh, it's not a flip top, but I'll, I'll sell it to you for, you know, whatever, five hundred bucks. Wow. Um, and I was like, well, man, my. My other buddy who plays guitar is really wanting one. He doesn't have a trainer, and I keep telling him about him. So I hit him up. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, I got this this trainer head. If you want one, I already got three of them, you know, to YBA1. And he's like, all right, cool, yeah, 500 bucks. So he comes over, and I just hand it to him. And it's uh, it's not the flip top. It's earlier. It turned out to be a 1969. Oh, wow. And he already paid for it. We're going through it, and it's got, uh, like, RCA rebranded Muller tubes in it. It's all got the original tubes. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's all original, and he plugs it in, and I swear to God, it's, it's like Eddie Van Halen, you know, just plexi stock thing. I mean, we just cranked it up, and it was the most incredible plexi-sounding amp i've ever heard wow and i'm just mm. kicking myself and he's smiling because he knows he just, he's walking out the door with his head and i'm such an idiot for not actually playing the thing first and thinking like you know i'm just gonna keep this and, oh. you know i could have easily just given him one of the other ones there you go yeah it's it's great bye but uh <laughs> yeah you never know man it's like those old those old amps you just you never know yeah, those those, those are thing. really cool amps i've had a couple of bass masters and uh uh, what was it? Was it a, a guitar mate? Guitar mate and and studio mate. Yeah, had, they had the uh, little EL eighty four versions. Oh yeah, the, the, um, and those are cool amps. I think the one had like four eight inch speakers in it. It was it was a crazy format. Yeah, they're you know and man, they're bulletproof. Seriously, I had my first YBA one. I think I toured with it for six years. I never changed the tubes. Never had any problems. I played it every night. You know, beat the crap out of it. Well, that, that was kind of the, I don't know if it's just folklore or, or whatever, but supposedly Pete Trainer used to take uh, 
and just for presentation purposes, take an amp to the top of the building and drop it into the parking lot. What? And <laughs> plug it in and it would play. Shut up. <laughs> no, this, uh, they are, they're built like tanks. They're cool, cool. Johnny, would you yeah, do they're that? they're awesome. It's all... Um, you know, I, I don't know if I was building them and I had a warehouse full of parts. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've seen the, the, I've seen the, the Reinhold Bogner video too, where he, he just, you know, he's standing in a driveway and he just slams it on the ground and, you know, smashes the, the head and then plays it. But yeah. I know of a guitar know, builder but, that when he was designing his neck, he would take the guitar, put it on a stand or just lean it up against something. And then he would tip the guitar over. And if the neck didn't break... And if it stayed in tune, he knew he had built a great neck. And that there was three more weeks of winter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyhow, we've got Johnny and we're trying to figure out why he's on here. And that's because he makes awesome pedals that are look these are rock and roll pedals there's no doubt about it this is not this is you're not doing shoegazy shimmery thoughtful pondering rock pedals these are this is for kicking ass on the stage let's be let's be pretty clear about that right that's that's pretty accurate yeah i would say that i try to get kind of the best of all worlds as far as what i want you know uh i try to make all the settings usable i try to solve problems that people have with vintage pedals. And I started this whole thing just by doing what I wanted for myself for being in a band and touring and playing guitar because it wasn't even a pedal company. It was just learning how to build things for myself so that I had a cocked wah pedal. Uh, was that was the first one? I, I built a kit for a range master because I, 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 was, I ordered a super fuzz clone <laughs> from a guy and I'm like, hey, man, will you build me a range master? And he said, well, you know that they're not that hard. It's only like seven parts. Hmm. You know, you can get a, a little kit for like 40 bucks and build one yourself. You might get really into it, you know. And I did. And I, I just was like off and running immediately. That's um, cool. So that, then after that, it was like, you know, I built, learned how to build a fuzz face and all the basic, you know, beginner stuff. And then it was like, all right, I'm taking these old broken waz and I'm going to figure this out because I, no one is making this thing and I need it. And so I was just gutting wah pedals and making these like Frankenstein things. Like I'd take, I'd rip the pedal off of it and just have the knob sticking out and you know, there's big ugly things. And I went through like three or four of those. Um, and then I figured out the atomic cock and then I had the silver solo. Uh, and I, I made a couple other like fuzz kind of modded clone things just so that I had a handful of pedals and, uh, I was like, well, maybe I could, you know, I started hawking them off to my friends and that whole thing, but it was still just like a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you fast forward like six months and then I was like, well, you know, this is a lot more fun than, you know, mopping floors in a bar or all the other crappy jobs I had. Uh, Cause I was still, you know, when you're in a band and you come home, it's like, you got to kind of do what you can just to pay the bills sure, type thing. So we all, we all had really crappy jobs and, it's like, well, if I can do this and not have to stay out till four in the morning, you know, filling ice coolers, then that might be kind of cool. Um, so I just, you know, I kind of charged headfirst into something that I really didn't even know that much about, which I've always been really good at is, you know, saying yes to something and then figuring it out as I go. That's a super and, common yeah, story, man, with it, with everybody. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't say that to dismiss your story. I think it's I think that's awesome and it's hugely inspiring. And that's one of the reasons that we do this is because a, we want to hear your backstory and, and B, 
that's the kind of story, like hopefully somebody who's listening right now is going like, you know, I was thinking about doing that. If he can do it, I can do it. And maybe they get started down this kick that they never would have thought of before. Time and time again, what we have is somebody saying, I was just trying to do something to, cause I couldn't find what I wanted or I wanted to do something creative in music. And I, you know, we just want to get a little deeper into it. It, it. Everybody just seems to fall into this. We haven't talked to anybody yet. Who's like, I'm going to start a pedal company. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it's, it's really great to hear that, uh, you know, that kind of a backstory. Did you have much of an electronics exposure before that? No, not, I, I didn't know. I literally didn't even know how to solder. Okay. I want to elaborate on this. Just one moment. This is really important. This is a guy who didn't know how to solder, who is now running one of the most well-known pedal companies out there, period. Think about that for a second. That's amazing. You've created your own world. You've created your own, your own brand. You're not lost out among the others. And, and you're doing what you love, I, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I tell people too, it's, you know, from being started doing my band and touring and all that. Cause you know, I was convinced I was going to be a, a professional musician when I was like 13. Right. So after doing that for over a decade, um, and then doing this, it's like, it's so, it, it's so parallels being in a band. And I always tell people that because it's like, you still get to come up with these little like nuggets of an idea and then you develop it and then you just kind of put it out in the world and like, hopefully people like it. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, and you have to do the artwork and you have to convince other people it's good. And, it, you know, it's the whole, it's the same process, mm-hmm. you know, except at the end of the day, instead of just going home with $10 in your pocket and you sleep in a van, I get to sleep at home and I actually get paid and can pay my mortgage and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like the approach and everything is really the same. You know, you wake up in the middle of the night with some crazy idea like, oh my God, this would be such a cool name or effect or whatever and then you just write it down and you go on the next day and start working on it you know it, it's i love being able to just kind of spontaneously do whatever the hell i want mm-hmm. and i don't have to even like uh compromise with bandmates on this i can just i have absolute <laughs> control i don't have to convince my drummer that this riff is cool right you know it's like i just do it and uh sounds like you need a, a new drummer more... if that's the case <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh it's just a lot more streamlined but it's the same thing and that that's kind of what's cool about it i like just being able to still be creative and the biggest kick for me and this has happened you know a couple of times but not a lot but is when i'll be at some big show and i'll be watching a band or guitar player or whatever and they're actually using you know one of my pedals that i built or whatever and it's someone like it doesn't even kick in that that's happening and then i realize like oh my god this guy's playing this song i've been hearing my whole life with my fuzz or something and that's where it's one of those like surreal kind of things you know it's like obviously i'd rather be up there playing next to him but (laughs) uh this is this is like uh kind of one of the most rewarding parts about doing this and and it, even if it's like some kid at home is just inspiring people to play music and maybe they come up with some awesome riff or that helps them with their band or that they find their own tone as a musician like i feel like great that i can have that kind of influence on you know whoever mm-hmm. 
through just making these little things that I thought of in my house, you know, and I've gone to my shop and make them. And now some other kid somewhere is tearing into it. And I've had some kind of impact on that. And that's pretty cool. on just like a, a music rock and roll level, yeah. you know, along like some kid here in his first, you know, Jimi Hendrix record. And then he goes on to, you know, <laughs> it's like one of those kind of things. Like, I'm glad that I can still affect other people in different ways. And, um, it's a viable thing. Like I can keep doing this and, uh, it's not just some hobby or, you know, whatever. It's, yeah. I, I've turned being, being obsessed with gear and music and rock and roll into uh, a means of, you know, of doing it, of a way of life. And that's pretty cool. I have to keep reminding myself that I kind of lucked out big time and that I get to do this every day, you know? Yeah, dude, that's, that's, that's fantastic. I think that you, touched on a, a specific something with the uh, in the inspiration part a lot there's there's times when you get you buy gear because you think you know what you need and you need, that thing's gonna solve it and then there's other times when you're just intrigued by something and I'll use I'll use uh, Tony's uh, guitar that he loaned me uh, as an example that we have in the office right now he loaned me an offset uh, a telly a, a, a Jazz, master, jazz, jazz master, bastard, whatever. And uh, I brought that back and instantly three new songs came out of that. I believe that that was because th I was just, there was a certain something about that guitar, about the sound. Oh, it was that, that actual guitar. Yeah. Yeah, it was that, that guitar. It was, yes. Yes. <laughs> is that one for sale? That is for <laughs> sale too. Um, but it just triggered something in, you, in me. And I think, uh, uh, you know, what's neat about equipment is we, or we continue to seek new equipment. And a lot of that is chasing something that sort of hoping it's, it's almost like a, it's like a oyster or, or like a lottery ticket. You're like, I think this might be the thing that gives me the thing that I'm looking for. And the idea that you might actually be providing that to somebody that's, that's pretty powerful. That's cool. Plus you talked about being, you know, paralleling a band. Um, you know, anybody who's been in a band knows that one of the most awesome and most excruciating things about being a band is coming up with the band name. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a segue into something. <laughs> uh, well, you, you've, that's you a, know, that's a totally different episode. Yeah, it's well, well, we'll segue right into your pedals. Actually. Um, you know, you've got, uh, you've got great names for your pedals too. And, and that you don't have to compromise, as you said, with other band members to, to come up with that. And you're like, no, we're not calling ourselves bad apples with a Z idiot. <laughs> so how did you come up with the atomic cock? Uh, well, you know, it's a, it's the, the whole, like, you know, Rano oh, yeah. influence thing, you know, the original version was like bright green and it had the little, you know, lightning bolt on it. Uh, I don't really remember too much other than I, I thought it was, uh, you know, kind of obviously I, w I was brand new at doing this and I wanted to get people's attention. So I thought that would be kind of cool to put that little play in words. <laughs> so um, let me, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to lose this subject here. So we're, is, is the word cock, is that a verb? Like you're cocking wait, a gun? It's the cocked wah. A cocktail. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you it's wanted an, to be it's an adjective, yeah. If you wanted to get grammatical on it, it should probably be called the atomic cocked. Yeah. 
Oh, I'm um, sorry. I I don't do yeah. that with my wah. Just keep it in one position for that tone. So I'm not really familiar with that. But yeah, because then you got to turn it on and off, so you can't. Right? It's right. a total hassle. And then you got yeah. it. That that was my problem. You know, I'm trying to play a solo, and I got to hit a boost, or I got to hit a fuzz, and then I got to hit the wah, mm-hmm. and then I got to turn it off, and then I got to hit the boost again. And then hope you, know, you find the place that you wanted. Well, yeah, yeah. That's... And then I got to sing backups, and it's like, you know, forget it. I want one thing that gets louder and does that tone, and yep. then I turn yeah. it off. I, I was on a binge for uh, Bowie at the Beeb, uh, some of the live stuff that they were doing, <laughs> and um, yeah, there's one section. I don't know if it was in Ziggy, one of the versions of Ziggy, but you can hear where Ronson missed the switch, and it, it, it just kind of he backs off of it. Thinking oh. that, that it's off and it's just this little wow, <laughs> <laughs> little giddy up. Yeah, I bet he wishes he had one of these. Yeah, I think that I, I tried to do a live wah uh, action one time, and then I was like, nope, <laughs> I'm, I, can't, I can't read and chew gum at the same time, and that's not gonna that's not gonna work for me. So, um, so I'm really I'm that's surprising that that was your first pedal because that's. Um, I think most people tend to go, you, you kind of went almost backwards. You went like a cocked one, then you went all the way, uh, then you went to like range master and, and fuzzes and stuff. But, uh, I, I will say that it was just really quick on our table right now. We have Tony, you want to, yes, we have the silver solo, the Northern creeper and the cocked and fearless cocked and fearless. Yeah. And my personal favorite, I would, I think unanimously, um, before we get into the particulars about each of these pedals in front of us, uh, and he's got many more on his, on his website and on reverb. So if you're at home playing along, you can go check those out. Uh, but the, I think the first thing that we all went like, Ooh, was man, the potentiometers on these things are redunculous. Mm, smooth. They are, it, it is like walking up to a really, really nice amp head and just going, hey, now. I might even say a Neve board. Oh. Yeah. They're the good pots. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, uses the good ones. Uh, are you going to, you can share with us offline what, what pots you're using. <laughs> yeah, who watches uh, Oh, these are the alphas I get yeah. for 65 cents. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're not. They're, uh, it's actually, it's a Chicagoland distributor. So. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, they do some other big pedal brands too. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, are you talking about the, the cocked and fearless? Well, that oh, one, that one's about, the I most, mean, all of them, seem all of to them be, are very smooth, but yeah. Then, yeah, that one in particular it's just, it's, yeah, it's like silk. I love it. It's like, it's like silky butter velvet. <laughs> <laughs> Trademark. <laughs> There's a pedal. <laughs> silky, <laughs> silky butter velvet. Yeah. Mm. No, seriously, somebody go make that pedal. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Why um, not? So let's see. You, you were talking about the cocked wah. So let's just start there. You've got, we've got the cocked and fearless. Now, arguably one of your more recognizable pedals is the, uh, your, 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 Fearless distortion pedal, right? Yeah. So uh, I came up with that because, you know, everybody's had the usual classic distortion type things. Um, I kind of put off making a distortion for a long time because, you know, I just thought there was other cooler fuzzes that I was into. But I came up with that one. I was real happy with it. And at the time, 
uh, I was going to, I had an offer to do like this cool joint thing with another brand and they had, I don't know what it was. I was going to like license it or something. I don't know. We were going to work together in some capacity and they had this whole marketing scheme planned out and it was going to be a part of that. And that's where the name came from. Uh And then the whole thing completely fell apart. And now I stuck releasing a pedal with that name. So that's, it just was there. The artwork was done. It's it killer out. artwork. The, um, the the black cat. Yeah, all the artwork is uh, my my tattoo artist from Chicago nice. has a graphic design degree also, um, and we were buddies. And we played in bands together and all that stuff. And that he's like, well, you know, I could put together something for this new pedal thing you got, you know, going on. And then it just spiraled from there. And he did all of them. That's cool. Uh, Do you mind so dropping he, his name? Because I mean, I would like to visit that shop. If, next yeah, time yeah. Down well, there. he's down. On a, He's down in Austin, Texas now. His name's Casey Sass. Casey um, Sass. Yeah, from the the legendary Chicago band Black Actress. Yeah, yeah. He's down in Austin now, but he's he's tattooing. I'm gonna uh, look him up because I is, I like is, your artwork. So he you know, has a whole a thing of uh, pop art and paintings and stuff way outside of pedals on his on his website. So definitely got some crazy skills going on. Cool. Um, cool. So yeah, another thing that just kind of came out of nowhere was like, okay, cool, because you know the silver solo was, I think that's the only one left where it's like me on Photoshop trying to do something, you know. And then I was like, oh yeah, this looks way cooler. So we started doing doing it with an actual artist. And there's actually new artwork for the silver solo being printed right now. So oh really? That will be updated, and we have a new pedal. I have a new pedal. It's it's done. Uh, it's not going to be released for probably a month or two, uh, which is another artist series kind of custom thing. Yeah, we did. It's a fuzz octave with a gate built in. Okay. Uh, and it's like a way over the top octave. It's not one of those subtle kind of weenie things you only hear in certain parts of the neck type deal. It's like a full, you know, purple haze, heavy duty octavi deal so interesting uh i'm super stoked to get this out and it's an it's more like the cocked inferiors where it's a two and one so the octave is independent too so if you have other gain or whatever you can just is it a living artist it it is i just saw him in concert a couple weeks ago and it blew my mind drop the name i'm I'm trying well (laughs) i might not be able to do that are you able you can't do that can you do that we got to make a couple tweaks and we we still have to talk about the whole uh when we're done i'm gonna see if i can guess who it is yeah off the air you you can poke around i'm sure you figure it out all right you can blink twice if i'm right (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah if you don't answer we'll know that's really him (laughs) uh anyways uh well hey just while you're talking about your the artist series i mean one of my inspirations and i know it's one of yours you did an artist series for can you talk about that real quick yeah so that is a crazy story because i in in my early naive kind of you know figuring out what i wanted to make when i started first making pedals i think the first handful of ones that i did i was like hey let's do this cool i remember reading a thing about someone thought that uh the stooges sound was from a fuzz right right so i made a fuzz right clone and i kind of tweaked it and beat it around and made it sound cool um and i'm like well i'll just put him on the top and then it'll you know everybody will get it it'll be cool so I made like a dozen of those, maybe 10 or 12. I think most of them I sold to Chicago Music Exchange. And 
like, I don't know, a month or two later, I got a, a letter from an attorney. Cease and desist. Oh, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the estate attorney uh, from Ron Ashton. And, you know, I'm like, man, come on. I, I seriously made like 10 of these, you know, what, what do you want? And luckily, in a weird way, my attorney buddy knew the guy. And he, oh boy. he smoothed it out and he just said, look, he'll stop. It's totally cool. You know, you don't have to pay him or anything. Um, so I had to stop. So there was only, you know, a small handful of these things out there. Um, you know, fast forward five years or whatever. Um, and, you know, Reverend Guitars, Ken makes awesome stuff. Yep. Um, he did the Run Ashton guitar and I was hanging out with him at Summer Nam. And I'm like, you know what, man? I told him the whole story. I just told you. And I'm like, you know what, you know, how did you work that thing out with the, the guitar? And he put me in touch with Ron's sister who handles all that stuff. And she was super cool. And we worked it out and I sent her some artwork and she approved it and we did it. And uh, I did a limited run and then we did, you know, that sold out in a couple of days. And then we did another one with Ken with the guitar and the pedal together and uh, a, like a strap and some artwork and stuff all in a big package. Uh, and we, we sold that uh, at the end of last year, too. So I got to do like two runs of those. And those were actually based on the original uh, Germania Vox Tone Bender that he actually did use on the, the first two records. So Super cool so story. It was pretty cool just emailing back and forth with his sister and being able to do that and have other people dig it, too. Um, and in a weird twist of whatever, uh, the guy who's playing with Iggy right now is using one of the original 12 lawsuit Ron Ashton pedals for bass on tour. Huh. And how he got that, I, I, I sent him a message and he said he got it from his his tech or something. <laughs> uh, one of the original Ashton pedals is on tour with Iggy right now, which is kind of crazy. Small world, but... That's cool. crazy. <laughs> cool story, you know? Uh, oh, I remember when you actually, uh, I think it was a reverb flash sale or it seemed like a flash sale because I remember going on and it was, I was arbitrarily, I mean, not arbitrarily. I pretty much, there, there should be like a support group for Craigslist and reverb <laughs> impulse buy. Um, and I go on and it was like, you, you were doing the sale or there, there was, there was a, there was some sale or flash thing on these particular Ron Ashen pedals. There was like, there was only like three left or something. I was like, right. And I ran to it and they were gone. They, I mean, poof. I had yeah. a chance. I had my chance and I missed it. It, it went quick, but uh, I don't know. I, it turned out cool and I had a lot of fun coming up with that. So I'm, I'm just glad that people dig it. And well, that's also what, I mean, that's one of the cool things about pedals that, the, that they're, they're accessible enough if you if you're into them to where you're at some point you're not just getting them because that's the tone you need for a specific song they're collector things you know so it's like you know there's certain pedal builders out there who are uh you know matt we've talked about this matthew's effects i mean champion lecky like people that are doing very limited run things or or handmade to hand painted or artist series or whatever and it's like those are the kind of ones you want to jump on and go like i want to own that because there's only going to be so many of them yeah and it's not like buying a guitar or something where you got to drop 600 bucks or, yeah unless you know, you're tony 
Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Big you. old money bags, Tony. Yeah, all right. Uh, so let's see. What else do we have here? We've got, uh, you were talking about the Silver Solo. So uh, jump on that real quick. You know, it, it's the only thing that I have out right now that's, and you know, I guess you could say it's kind of a clone. It's basically a, you know, a silicone transistor version of a, of a range master. And then you got the blind down there for full range or bright or whatever. Um, but it, it's got its own kind of unique thing going on. And I just always kept it in there because I just think it's a cool thing that everybody should have. I mean, it sounds kind of silly to say that, but it's just the most usable thing. And everybody needs a boost. I don't know. I, and it kind of, it was like my first thing too. So I kind of have that little sentimental yeah you know thing but it's just it's such a simple usable tool for everybody well what's what's really cool about that pedal is that you know i think i don't know how much maybe if i could say the younger generation of guitar players are aware of what range masters just understanding what they actually do and what they can add to the sound could you just kind of elaborate a little bit on what the range master actually does for your sound I'll tell you why I I ended up relying on it so much. Other band that I was in, it was like your your total typical Marshall stack, two guitar, you know, kind of Aerosmithy lineup, two guitars, bass type thing, uh, Les Pauls, Marshalls, SGs, you know, and so we're just constantly having this battle for when your solo comes up and you can't hear your solo and it's just volume wars and that whole thing. And I've tried every boost and fuzz and the loudest boost wasn't loud enough on that all and then uh my buddy's like man you gotta try the range master circuit because it does this thing where it it kind of just accentuate you know it's like basically a high pass a little bit where it just accentuates it gives a little more push and you get some more texture out of it and it's just chimier and brighter and you can hear yourself and you know that's exactly what it did it was like you're kind of cheating the system a little bit to hear your guitar better um and you get more sustain and anybody that's ever used like a a non-master Marshall or something like that, you know, it, it just helps to really push it into a little bit more breakup, a little more sustain. And that, that was totally it. Cause you know, that's what I love is like vintage, super vintage heads and full stacks. And it was just like the thing that I needed to make my Les Paul sound that much better in a, you know, whatever, JMP full stack kind of yeah. thing. Uh, and I think, like you said, I think a lot of bands now, or at least like the trend right now, is definitely not people playing Marshall half stacks and Les Pauls. It's people playing little combos and jazz masters and things where they might not necessarily get that same thing out of the pedal that I wanted to get out of it, but it still has the ability to like make things jump out better or to give you more chiminess or boost or whatever. You know, so I mean, the application kind of goes helps you cut through the, the mix a bit across the board. Yeah, especially with that. You know, um, so and you know, I have a lot of friends that use them and like the whole you know Les Paul rock thing where they just leave it on. Yeah, because it just gives you that kind of articulate edge to what you're playing, and you know, it's kind of the sweet spot. You know, and I always thought that was like a secret in the like the slash tone somewhere in his recordings. Mm. You know, like, even that, like. No, his secret was actually the hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was uh, his heart only functioning on two valves. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, it's it has that, like, kind of creamy, bright, sustainy, awesome thing. Yeah. You know, um, whatever. I don't know. We're talking about a, a 
simple pedal but it's that, that's why i think it's cool so if you're using two guitars with two different <laughs> pickup configurations that's also something that can really help you out if you've got your you know you've got your amp tone dialed in if you tried to make something that is maybe warmer sounding make it brighter through the amp but then you go to plug in your telly oh mm. you know this is something that can either tame that or actually brighten up something else. Fair to say? Yes. It can fatten up a single coil in the best kind of way. Well I said, I, Mr. I, I, I Novak. Think, I think that's what you were saying, yeah. That's what I was saying. Um, but you said it better. Uh, where do you typically like to put the, your the Silver Solo in your chain? I would suggest putting it first because it functions best on the impedance from your guitar. Okay. I guess the reason I was asking is because, like you, I like fuzz, uh, and I'm always concerned with making sure that I don't mess up the the sound it's supposed to have. So when I was plugging these in, I was like, okay, these are both supposed to go first. So, you know, I was flipping and flopping around and trying to figure out where to, where to put it right, but... Um, uh, I think we should trust you and well, you know, um, all those are they're not buffered and they're true bypass, so it really shouldn't matter if you know what's in front of it. But you know, you stick your boss tuner in front of it, and you're going to notice a significant difference in the yeah. the tone of of the pedal. Um, and you know, like you said, with fuzzes, some fuzzes are really temperamental about what you stick in front of it. So, uh, you know. Like I said, unless you're running a whole bunch of stuff, I usually just keep it simple and you don't have to worry about it. But cool. I don't know. Let's. What What else? You got the... You got the Northern, Northern Creeper, Creeper in front of us. Which is... That's my favorite for fuzzes. That's the one I use for my band. It's about now. the coolest looking fuzz out there. In my... I mean, it's just... that. That's... It's so, like an old school patriotic look to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I grew up when like Evil Knievel was the man. Yeah. And I saw that and I was like, that's the Evil Knievel pedal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We were, we were looking at a bunch of old uh, old batteries from the 50s, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to get uh, another cease and desist, you could put Evil Knievel's picture on it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so yeah, where does yeah, that yeah. term come from? Northern Creeper? I mean, is that is that sort of about like the, the northern uh, rock No, thing? I don't know. It's just, uh, it sounded cool. And then I found out later, much later, what it actually, it's like the name of a plant or something. Oh. Uh, ah. But I heard it and I was like, ah, it just sounds kind of tough. Yeah. Or like, you know, like I'm from Chicago. Maybe it's some kind of, you know, street hustling right. guy. Or, uh, what maybe kind from of, Wisconsin. <laughs> what, what kind of plant? I don't know. It's like a vine or something. I don't know. <laughs> a northern creeper. I, yeah. I don't know, it sounds like a, like a potent strain of weed. Right. That's where I was <laughs> yeah. getting at. And you got to... You gotta try this northern creeper. Yeah, yeah it creeps up on you. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, so what um, what about that pedal is is does it for you? It it's real kind of well rounded in the tone. You know, it's not real trebly or bass farty or anything. And um I don't know, it just kinda it seems like just kind of the perfect sort of seventies fuzz, but it's still bitey and it, it's got the right amount of kind of articulation to it you know if you roll back your volume it opens up real cool to where it's just kind of like a overdriven amp you know mm -hmm. um i don't know i, I like it because it's just kind of even yeah yeah one thing that i noticed is like on the attack setting if you if you turn it way down it's almost uh i don't know would, would you call it like a 
base cut? I mean, the, the more I think that you turn up the attack, it seems to get brighter. Is that right, or is it just... Um, usually I keep the volume... Ears? I keep the volume kind of cranked all the way up. Otherwise, yeah, it, it, it it's not a very high output pedal. Yeah. You know? Um, so I just usually kind of juice the whole thing. Um, that is something that I noticed about this pedal, and this is what I was telling Tony. Is like, I was expecting it to react like most of my other drives or pedals, where it's like, you know, level equals like, here we go. And this one it just kind of sat in the pocket. You start playing with the attack, as Tony said, that that's where you started. I started to get, and I think Tony was too, getting the different articulation of, of tone. It would now, whether that was something that we were perceiving right or wrong, I'm not really sure, but that's what we were gathering from it. Yeah. It kind of, you, you get back past like three o'clock and it starts to open up more. You yeah. know, my application with it is I just, I, turn it up and leave it on. You know, nice. I don't, it's not really like for solos or anything. It's pretty much, I, I have a loud kind of cleanish trainer or Marshall and I have a telly and there's always a fuzz on one of probably three fuzzes that I use depending on the song. And it's just, that's, that's the tone, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to use it for solos or whatever, but you know, if you did, I'm sure there's, I don't know. I, I could probably figure out some better ways for you to, apply that if you wanted to use it as like a, a solo boost for a, you know, whatever your rig is or something. Yeah, I could definitely see that. It's weird because fuzz, uh, fuzz is one of those terms. There's so many different ways of getting fuzz sound now, even though I, I know that the circuits are relatively simple, but you know, everything from like full on doom to like just a little bit of stubble, you know, like this, yeah. this one is, it it almost it just kind of feels like a a smooth kind of like yeah rock fuzz right that isn't yeah that isn't Total over the top fuzz, like man. oh wow you're using a fuzz pedal yeah it's it's definitely like a rock fuzz kind of thing you know it's almost like a distortion out of your amp or something but yeah the the supernova is the one that that'll take your head off because it's super loud and is that I, is I that kinda, the, is that one op amp no no it's it's transistor based but it's a lot tighter and uh, you can get a huge like low end out of that depth control. And that that one's more like gated and really, yes. you know, it, you almost got a little bit of synthy, but it's real bitey too. So you got that really like gated kind of raspy edge to it, but a lot mm-hmm. of output. I haven't tried that one myself, but from all the videos that you have up and that other people up, you can really hear that. Yeah, you know, when you crank that depth up, that you're almost getting to that like super fuzzy kind of low end range, you know, where it just jumps out. And I guess... Supposedly, Mark from you know Chicago Music Exchange says that he loves it on bass with that depth cranked all the way up. So, yeah. if he says it sounds good on bass, I'm going to trust his opinion. You know, you're a gigging musician, uh, and a lot of the stuff that we talk about is what basically just playing in front of your amp, not necessarily playing out. Uh, I think we just sort of take for granted that some people are playing out and some people aren't. But as a as a gigging musician. I would love to know a little bit about the choices that you're making as far as equipment goes. Um, as you know, I'm gig out. Uh, I know a lot of others that are gigging out and, and that's kind of like that. That's like the second half of all of this stuff. It's like whatever's in your house and all of your safe area, you're not playing with a set of drums. You're not playing with a bass. Yeah, your your insulated basement. With, yeah, right. Your, so your amps on two. Exactly. Right. Um, right. 
And that's it. And that's one thing that I've kind of always tried to keep in the mix is like, you know, all of this stuff before it gets released is me playing it like live. You know, if I have a pedal that I'm pretty happy with, I build it and then I play it with a band, you know, or I play it on stage. And does it do what I want it to do? You know, because I mean, there's a lot of pedals that sound super awesome sitting in your room, yeah. right? You know, like, wow, this Big Muff sounds incredible. And then you go and you <laughs> try and play a solo with it with your band, and all of a sudden your guitar disappears, yeah. you know? <laughs> try to play anything with it, and right. your guitar disappears. Right. It's, it's nothing against the pedal. It's just in a live application that doesn't cut it. Mm -hmm. And that's why you take things like the Supernova, you know, or the Silver Solo or things like that. And I mean, that's the whole goal is like, hey, I want a fuzz that I can play rhythm guitar with. Right. That doesn't just turn into mush. Right. Okay, I came up with the Northern Creeper, and it totally does that. I want something that I can play a solo with, with a two-guitar live band with full stacks, and I can actually hit a fuzz and hear my solo uh, without it just being some feedbacky, mushy, washed-out nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, so I came with Supernova. Like, th these are just, like, solutions I'm coming up with for my own problems. Um. And I'm assuming that that's probably a pretty great way to solve problems is to actually put it in, you know, the application you want and make sure it does what it's supposed to do. I'm not trying to like, you know, blow my own horn, but like, that's just, the, that's my litmus test for, you know, did I make this do what I want? And some people might not get it if they're in their basement and they're playing, you know, their blues junior amp and they hit some big crazy fuzz thing and they're like, I don't know, it sounds kind of weird. Like, mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, hopefully not, but... Well, you brought up a good point, which is, I think a lot of people, especially if you're starting out, you hear of, you know, particular pedals that everybody plays or, you know, whatever happens to be hot at the moment. And then, you know, and then you get them home and you're like, ah, this sounds amazing. And maybe they're lucky enough to be playing with some other dudes. And just like you said, hey, that's a radically... You get them the thing and then it's just, this doesn't sound at all like I sounded at home whether that's a, a because of your fuzz or because you've got, you know, this scoop sound on your amp or you are, um, your, your reverb is, is out of whack with the room. Then you try something, you, you might get another pedal. Like the, I think the Northern creeper is a great example. Oftentimes when we put a pedal down, we expect it to be, I guess, the most amplified version of itself. So if you put a fuzz down, you're going to be like, all right, bring me the fuzz. If you put a reverb down, the first thing you do is you start tweaking the dials like massively so you can hear the great ranges that it'll bring you. But if you do that, uh, if you if you like get this like the the Northern Creeper and you plug it in, you're like, all right, bring me the fuzz may not necessarily like bring you a dump truck full of fuzz. However, when you put that in the mix up against a bass player and a kick drum and vocals, oh, now that's a different story. Now we got, you're actually cutting through that mix. So it isn't about the magnitude of that fuzz. It's how it's reacting with everything else that you haven't accounted for in your living room. Right. And when you get an amp that's tearing your head off. Right. You know, and then you stick it on there. It's like, well, oh. that's a whole, yeah. I mean, right there, that's a whole other thing. Tony and I were just talking about that before, uh, before we started this, which was, you know, you've got, um, most of the time when you're practicing or, you know, you're, you're doing your own, you're trying to come up with your own riffs or, you know, you're in your basement or whatever, you're, 
you're playing on a low volume. If you're, if you've got a nice tube amp, you're playing on a low volume, but whatever you're playing, but especially if it's a tube amp, well, guess what? When you bring it up and up with the rest of the guys and you're up on, on stage or you're now at practice and you're up at, you know, six or eight from two, your amp is acting differently. And that's going to cause everything else to act different that you haven't accounted for. So then you end up, you know, I've been in that situation where I'm like, I'm sorry, guys, I got to fix all my stuff because it doesn't sound right. Well, yeah, I mean, you you generally want, don't you want a general, uh, a, a lower volume on stage anyway, though, don't you? I mean, you, the sound guys Well, in practice, be- you're not, they don't typically, most of us don't have the luxury of, you know, in-ear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. And stuff, I so know. you have to crank it, you know? Did you just say you wanted a lower volume on stage? Yeah, don't you want to... Don't you want your guitar amp to have, you know, not a totally loud volume, but you want to be able to hear everybody else as well? Or do you uh, want to do you want to crank it up super high? I think what if the sound guy can't mix you in with everybody else because your stuff's too loud? Isn't that just a general thing? That's because that that's my experience anyway, playing live. I mean, as long as I can hear what I'm singing, then I'm good. Yeah, you know? I think so, Jared. I think where you're getting at is the difference between being mic'd for a club versus just everybody supporting all the volume for the entire venue. Yeah. And I've been in both situations where we didn't, the only sound reinforcement we had was vocals. Right. So, so I see what you're saying. If we, if we paint this picture a little bit more, if we're on stage and you've got your own monitors and you've got your amp and, and you know, you got the PA feeding, you don't have to rely on, yeah, that's two different on situations. Volume carrying everything right. from your amp. I'm glad I brought it up, though. Yeah, no, I mean it's a good point. It yeah. sounds better though. And I'm I'm biased because I've always just been in stupidly loud bands, <laughs> right? So <laughs> it, it's it, any normal person would would probably quit immediately. So yeah. Well, hey, um, in your situation, at least you get to actually you know hear what your amp is is able to do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Plus, it's the, my band now is a three piece, so it's pretty simple. You sure. know, there's there's a one guitar, there's a you know a bass bridge on the other side of the drums, and <laughs> as long as I can hear what I'm singing, it's fine. You know, because we're it's like two things, super loud and a bunch of cymbals. So yeah. Well, easy breezy. Let's uh, let's uh, easy breezy this on on home with a little bit of. Would you rather? All right, yeah, let's do it. We tailored this one t- just for you today, man. Yeah, on me. this episode's "Would You Rather" is uh, it's it's pretty simple, and I and I'm excited about it. So, would you because rather it's simple or? <laughs> well, we're not. I mean, we don't have to, you know, elaborate like the last couple of. I okay. think we should elaborate. I think this is this is an elaboration one. But I go think ahead, we should. Tony. If you say we should, we should. <laughs> so let's get on with it, okay. gents. All right. Would you rather have? Where are we going? You're going to go to the guitar sh- store and you're going to pick <laughs> no. up. We're in Detroit Rock City, baby. In Detroit Rock City. Okay. Yeah. Would you rather have a Wayne Kramer Fender Stratocaster, the signature Wayne Kramer, the with the flag on it, you know, the American flag and the stars and stripes and all that good stuff? Or would you rather have the Ron Ashton Reverend Signature Flying V Carina? Now this this one has the shorter horn, the lower horn. It's got three P90s and it's you got that raised center section like fire. And it's got three yeah. lightning bolts on it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so uh So and and let's for the for the uh listeners out there 
who um, may or may not, hopefully you're aware. And if you're not, that's okay too. That means you are in for a whole lot of awesomeness. If you haven't heard of these gentlemen or the music they've created, strap your boots on people because that's the best stuff. Can you imagine hearing any of those records for the first time? I mean, some like, people like I were, guarantee <laughs> are going to be doing that for the first time. Well, neither this. one of those are any Justin Bieber's or anything. No. <laughs> I mean, Thank if God. you were like some 15 year old kid, you know, like if you, if you just snuck a beer out of your dad's fridge and you're 15 and you're oh, in your basement. Yeah. Put on yeah, MC5, man. I should li- yeah. He told <laughs> me I should listen yeah. to the MC5. Let's see what this is all about. That should make sense to a lot of 15 year old kids, actually. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Wayne Kramer. The guitar player for the MC5, and we got Ron Ashton, the guitar player for the Stooges. What are you picking? See, uh, all right. See why I did this. Short answer. <laughs> short answer. Uh, the the Wayne Kramer reissue Strat. Really? Here's, I'm, I'm, dude. I'm taking this a step further though. Uh, the original Wayne Kramer Strat or Ron Ashton's pre CBS Dakota Red Strat. Uh, which one do you pick then the originals oh golly so i see a big headstock on the signature model on wayne kramer's yeah but okay. ron ashton's so he he's he threw in another guitar in the mix i, I understand that let me ask the question okay <laughs> i'm saying so is it easy is it cbs then that that's wayne kramer's can can i confirm that that is a cbs mid late late 60s or late, okay all right i just wanted to get that clear I'm sorry about that interruption. And versus yeah. the 62. And then I think Dakota. I think Ron's Ron's is early, you know, whatever year that was, 60. Yeah. Early. Know, 63, 60 whatever, 65 yeah. strat, the, the red with the white pick guard. So you're taking you're taking Wayne Kramer's strat at this point. Between the, the between v, the Ron the Ashton v versus v. the strat, I'm going to go with the Wayne strat. Okay. Right. So I, if it I, was between the two strats, which would you take? If it was between the two strats, uh, the originals, the originals, right? The originals, um, I would probably go with the Ashton Strat. Really? Uh, well, yeah, it's it's pre CBS. No, not because it's pre CBS. <laughs> yes, because you, it's pre CBS. What? <laughs> you are missing the point, my son. Uh, okay. No, anyway, so I yeah. you, for sure you are. You okay. don't see many of those, but That's right. uh, and the only reason I picked those the the Strat over the V. Is because uh, I my first guitar was a Strat. I got a whole bunch of Strats. I, I kind of got a sweet Our spot condolences. for them. Uh-huh. Plus, <laughs> and it, you know what? I never played them live. That's the weird thing. I really? have a bunch of Strats. I never play them. Like I play them at home. I play them on the couch and everything. And you know, my kid knocks it over. It's not going to break. But uh, why? Live, why don't you play I, them live? I I don't. They just don't. They don't do what I want. Are they just too quiet? It's just the it's the pickup thing, you know. And I got a couple with humbuckers in them, but that's they're not know, that's, they're still not beefy enough, are they? Uh, I like how they play. I love recording with them. And now I've been using Tellys, which apparently does what I what I need with the pickups. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like the floating neck thing or you know the bridge. Um, I don't know. Sounds it, like you need to give things. me a call. <laughs> it's like i i have like i seriously i have like five strats and i've never played a show with a strat in any of my bands wow uh 
Neither but, have I, I coincidentally. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Huh. Um, and I never, I never played a telly, but then in the last couple of years, I got a few tellies, and that's been my main guitar, uh, what I do now, because... Yeah. You can uh, just annihilate fuzz pedals with the telly, and it still sounds yeah like it doesn't blow it out. You know? yep. uh, yeah, and that was like a trick I learned from this other band that I, I saw, and I was talking to the guy, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I got two plexis, and I go into the low input on both, and uh, I play a telly, and he has like the biggest, fattest, loudest fuzz tone I've ever heard." That's awesome. So I, that was like, oh man, they're doing like you know like the pumpkins trick. You go in the low input, and then totally crank the, the master and then you can hit it with so much fuzz and it just stays huge because yeah. you're not you're not it doesn't sound like mud tubes like. yeah it's all power tube breakup so cool man anyways i hope that answered your question that does um tony which are you choosing you know normally i do not go for the stratocaster mm-hmm. i have a love-hate relationship with mm-hmm. them but in addition to the cool paint scheme that's on the Wayne Kramer Strat, anybody that throws a PAF in the middle position gets my vote. So I'm going Wayne Kramer Strat all the hey, way. Easy all rider right. paint job. All right, Jared. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the uh, the Reverend Signature. All right. However, you know, just like Johnny's uh, scenario, I would go for the pre CBS if that was in the picture, but. I'm just going to go with what I said. The two choices, which is the Reverend, sig- the uh, Ron Ashton Reverend, uh, Reverend Signature. Um, He's a ball at restaurants, too. So Flying V, uh, Karina. So Those are cool, man. I had one of the uh, the packages at my house, and I played it, man. It plays awesome. Sounds awesome. How does cool. is it, does it feel lighter than any other V because of his, his kind of smaller as far as uh, the horn? It, it, it no, nah, I mean it just it it was a good weight. It feels kind of light. I mean V's aren't that heavy to begin with. Well you know, balanced, but, yeah. Uh, the the neck felt good. You know, I don't know. Everything was it was cool. You know, the headstock's a little bit straighter than the you know the Gibson tilt mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I love P nineties too. So that was yeah, kind of the, yeah. I would imagine kind of, it's got a Gibson scale on it as well. So. Yeah, it's 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 you know shorter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm going with the I'm going with the V2. I, I love the 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 I love the MC5 and, and the Stars and Stripes and everything. And man, I was so excited to see that you posted that uh, on your feed about that show coming back. That's cool. And, yeah, with Doug and Kim Thale, it's going to be nuts. Yeah, and yeah. I, I hope it's at a big enough theater that we can all get tickets because that would be fantastic. I I will. You know what? If they if they end up making getting out there and not down here that I'm, I'm, I might have to find my way up there, but, uh, I gotta go with the, I gotta go with the Kramer on this one. Yeah. I'm sorry. Not the Kramer, the, uh, the Ron Ashen, <laughs> uh, because I just can't do strats. That's, that's it. And it's P nineties on a V man. That's cool. I know, man. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. So anyhow, uh, that was fun. It's always fun doing the old, would you rather? Okay. Tony. Yes, I am here. What do we got? Uh, I think we want to thank some people. Let's do it. All right. So um, in the world of Patreon, there are various levels that people can participate in sponsorships. Mm -hmm. That's right. The very biggest, bestest, strongest, fastest is at the executive producer level. And one of the biggest benefits 
of being an executive producer is, Jared. Well, you get to have your name read on the thing. We would like to thank all of our executive producers for their support of our podcast. Let's do it. All right. That would involve Darren Gregory, Alex Leggett, Robert Marfleet, John Anglin, Chris Kearney, Sean S. Oliver Gonzalez, John Daly, Robin Smith, Derek Fitzer, Pete Marshall, Carlos Mancha, Matt Brammer, David Wolfson, Martin Cliff, and Tom Barazin. All right. If you would like to become an executive producer or just any other level, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs and find out how. Hey, everybody, we'd like to remind you that at Reverb.com, you'll find a marketplace just for musicians all over the world. You can buy, sell, make offers, and negotiate with complete protection. Whether you're selling from home or if music gear is your day job, there are millions of listings online already, and it's free to list yours, too. Join the musicians marketplace at Reverb.com. Dude, Johnny, it has been awesome having you on the show. Um, I've been wanting to talk to you about your pedals and your the way that you're doing your music. Um, and I'm just thrilled that you've been on the show. Where can people check you out? Everything is on the website, daredevilpedals.com. And then through that, you can get to the reverb page. You can get to all the videos. Uh, there's a lot of videos and photos and all that kind of extra level nerdy stuff on the Instagram page too. I try to do a lot of like cool, you know, daily video posts and stuff. So you can find that, but pretty much everything across the board is Daredevil pedals at something. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on here. Hopefully some people kind of got some insight as to what's going on over here in Chicago. And, uh, there'll be a lot to come this year. I got a lot of cool stuff lined up. So you know, we'll just make touch. sure that you uh, you drop us uh, a line when when you're doing that. We'll 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 get it out there. We'll help get it up on our on our stuff as well, so everybody can see what you're doing. So, dude, thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you. Take care, man. And Jared, where can everybody find your particular wares? Well, if you need a repair, a restoration on a pickup, or a new set, uh, go to brandonwoundpickups.com. Email me at jared at brandonwoundpickups.com. That's J-A-R-E-D, Jared. Cool. Tony? And if you are in the need for a new pick guard for your prized possession. A nice one. A very nice one. Check out pickguardian.com. Mm-hmm. Or the various social media. Right. I don't care about making money. I just love making pick guards. Yep. <laughs> We're not in yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, let's bake this cake. Cripes. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> Doggone it. Hang on. It was going so well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.